welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and we are up to episode 42. It is airing for the first time in early to mid-May, so happy Mother's Day if that does apply to you, or if it doesn't, that's okay too. Perhaps there's someone in your life that you consider somewhat of a mother, and maybe it will apply to them. I wonder if anybody is getting any Mother's Day-themed planner-type gifts. I have a feeling that there's probably at least a few members of this audience to whom that might actually apply, so that would be fun to hear about. Let me know if so. You can always find me, as I've mentioned previously, on my blog these days. I am still taking an Insta-break, which I'm really enjoying. Maybe more on that in a future episode, but you can always find me on my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E, S-H-U-B-O-X.com, where the show notes are always published on Monday, usually shortly after 5 a.m. when the episode drops. All right, so today we have a bunch of Q&As, and these are some really good ones. In fact, you know, as much as I try to plan my episodes ahead, I'm not entirely sure that I'm going to get through all of these Q&As today, but that's okay. We can always save some for a future episode. The first one comes to us from a mother. So that's appropriate for Mother's Day. And she writes, I'm new to your podcast and I am curious about manly planners. My son, 25 years, has never really used a planner. He's used an electronic calendar a little bit, and I'm not sure how he survived college. He recently received a promotion and we were talking about staying organized and task management and project management at work. He was really open to starting to use a planner. Any recommendations or could you point me in the right direction? I love this question. Now, I will say that I would just say I think that both people who identify as either gender or between the genders, wherever you are on that spectrum, might be interested in the answer to this question because not everybody wants a super frilly and feminine planner. I have to say I lean somewhere towards the middle. I'm going to do an episode on Simplified, and that's a pretty feminine planner that I actually find very attractive and very compelling to me. And I guess most of Erin Condren's designs would fit within that realm as well. But I also like fairly spare minimalist looking planners like Hobonichi, which I've used for years, and some of the others that I'm going to mention below. This could be for anybody who is just looking for a planner that has less traditionally feminine features. So my ideas for daily planner, especially if he is interested in really kind of, I don't know, succeeding at work. Two that came to mind were the Monk Manual, which I learned about, I think, through Amanda's Favorites, a YouTube channel I've mentioned previously. Monk Manual is a daily planner. It has a very kind of, I don't know, gender neutral slash masculine aesthetic when I look at it. And it really goes toward making sure you make the most out of each day. It has a lot of reflection built in. You might judge from its name that it's probably trying to steer you towards more meaningful endeavors and less time wasting. So that's the Monk Manual. And again, I'll link that in my post. The second is one that I'm actually dabbling with right now. Yet again, I've come back to this many a time because I think it's an excellent product. And that is the full focus planner that comes in many styles. I actually have come to realize that I prefer the more, I guess, gender neutral or more masculine targeted styles of that planner. It comes in the regular, the executive and the bold. And the bold is the most feminine version that they have. But right now I'm using the regular. It's like a grayish linen cover. And I kind of like how the inside looks better in that version. They both have the same content, but the font's a little bit different. And I'm actually really liking the the spare aesthetics of the uh, regular version that I'm using right now. Anyway, so the full focus planner is a daily planner. It's a quarterly planner, as is the monk manual. 
So that's something you could bring to work that looks very professional and really allows you to time block and lay out your days and set your goals. So I think that someone who is starting a new job they're excited about might want to think about using that system. Now, if he's more into using a weekly or monthly planner, some ideas to think about are the long-term planners. They're very gender neutral. You could get it in black or gray. They come in a number of colors. There's always a Hobonichi and you can, of course, they sell floral and, you know, very colorful covers, but they also sell dark leather covers. I used to actually use my Hobonichi Techo cousin covered in black leather at work because I felt like it had a really professional look to it. So that is one way to go if he really wants all the pages daily, weekly, and monthly. The Jibun Techo planners are much smaller and slimmer and come with, you know, plain navy or black covers. So those certainly don't have a gendered look to them. And finally, I recently received the Levenger catalog in the mail and my kids love looking at that for some reason. It's a a household favorite. I don't know. We're weird. Anyway, Levenger has a number of disc bound products, rings, kind of pad folios, all kinds of things. And all of it has a very professional look. There's lots of leather and leather-like products to be found. So that would be another company to perhaps look at. So those are my ideas for less feminine planner systems on paper. All right, question number two. This person, um, I feel like this is a good time to air it because as you guys know, one of my real jobs, (laughs) you know, Recording this podcast is really fun, but it is more of a fun side project. But what I do in my real life is I am a pediatric endocrinologist and I also run a pediatrics residency program. And so I thought this was a fun question because it comes from somebody who is just getting started in her residency this July. So if there are other fourth-year med students or graduating fourth-year med students who are listening and are kind of thinking about how they want to get their planning game started for their beginning of their residency I just thought this was a fun question. So this person writes, I have my gorgeous Hobonichi and have no idea to use it in the next few months. She said she had this problem during her sub-eye because she doesn't like to put protected health information anywhere. And that's correct. You should not be putting protected health information anywhere. But she feels she needs it to help stay organized. She said, well, I need other paper. What tips and tricks for organizing did you have as an intern slash resident that you wish you had known on day one? Everyone tells me to be efficient, but I don't know what that means. I thought that was really cute. And she's, I'm sure she already is probably very efficient, which is why she's like, I don't know how I can possibly be more efficient. I will say as much as I love my paper planners, I don't think that carting around a Hobonichi as a resident would have been practical. I don't even know if I brought my planners to work when I was actually at work as a resident. It was more of a tool that I used at home because once you kind of clock in for the day in residency, All of a sudden, it's patient lists and it's electronic health records. And I actually don't think on a regular clinical day, there was much that needed to go in any kind of planner. Instead, what many residents did and still do, even though there are many electronic situations, is they print out their patient list off of Epic or whatever electronic health record they're using, and they make a million little checkboxes, and they organize those checkboxes, and then they relentlessly check them off. And that is what helps make them efficient. And I have to say, if I'm speaking with a resident and they are writing down what I am asking them to do, it is about 90,000 times more likely to get done than if they're just nodding their head and not putting it anywhere. So I think that's probably maybe what people mean by efficient. I do think your Hobonichi still is not just going to gather dust. 
I think there are so many long-term projects that kind of get assigned in residency in addition to your clinical work. For example, in our program, there's QI projects and there are research projects that are you're going to be involved in. There's different modules you have to complete. There's all kinds of different, you know, time stuff that you have to keep track of. And then there's your personal life, which you don't want to forget even as you enter residency. So your planner can still be a haven where you kind of keep track of all these big balls in the air, even if you're not actually bringing it with you to your clinical experiences, because I agree with you. It's not like you're going to put, you know, check off boxes for, you know, follow up on the CBC because you wouldn't want to put the patient's name in there anywhere way. And it's just not how the clinical world works. But that said, again, I think that you'll use it for tracking long-term projects, assignments, meetings, making sure you kind of understand what all the expectations and goals are. And you probably will be the most organized resident in your PGY1 class. So best of luck to this writer. All right. Question number three is an audio question. So I'm going to let Laura from Pennsylvania read her question. Hi, Sarah. This is Laura from Pennsylvania. I love your podcast and blog. My question is, how do you prepare for traveling? And I don't mean packing lists. I'm actually curious to hear what kinds of lists you make and follow for things like what to do a month before traveling, what to do in the week before traveling, what to do while you're on the trip, things to do right after you get home. Now that we're moving out of the pandemic and I'm planning a few small trips, I would love to hear how this works for you. Thank you so much. Okay, so that was such a fun question. I agree. It's really fun to think about traveling and doing things after the you know year and several months that we've all spent doing none of those things. And this is not to say that I'm like taking a flight to New Zealand with my family and my unvaccinated kids because <laughs> they're not old enough to get vaccines yet. But it does mean that, you know, we are as a family planning some small ventures, most of them just driving stuff. But still, it's very exciting to have fun things to put on the calendar again. That said, I do tend to be somewhat of a minimalist in terms of what I like to plan on vacation. And that is because my regular life is really, really full and kind of hectic. So I tend to like my travel to be kind of lazy and not too choreographed. And so even in pre-pandemic times, it would be normal for me to maybe put a couple of anchor events on the calendar. Like if we're going somewhere that I have friends that I'm going to call them up beforehand and you know find out when they might want to meet up. Or if there's a specific one or two things per trip that need reservations, I was lucky enough to get to dine at the French Laundry in 2016, and that was probably the only thing we planned in advance, and we spent a lot of time (laughs) getting that one on the calendar, because if anybody knows, it is very hard to get that reservation, but we did it. So that was an example of something I did plan, but also on that trip, we just left a lot of days that were kind of open, like, you know, go to wineries, and I think a lot of trips, I do tend to book If it's just with my husband, often we want to do one day where we just get massages and are totally lazy. So those do have to be booked in advance. So I guess what I do is I look at the days on my planner. I think about any specific anchor events that do need to be planned in advance and I book those and I leave the rest of it pretty darn open. I am one of those crazy people who likes to try to do some exercise on vacation. If it's not with my kids, if it's with my kids, usually running after them is enough exercise. But so I might plan my workouts before I go. But otherwise, I don't do a lot of planning and I will say some of the most fun adventures I've had are things where we've just kind of like wandered around and found stuff. Like I remember having this bizarre like 3 p.m. lunch slash dinner 
in downtown Nashville at this really amazing place that we hadn't planned on, but we just knew that we had time and wandered around and found it. So we do leave time for spontaneity on vacation because that tends to be one of the places that it does work. And also, I guess I would also say, even though I don't plan, if there are certain stores or like fun things I want to see in an area, like I often like to see an independent bookstore or a stationery store, I'll kind of have a list of what those are, but I won't like plan ahead when I'm going to go to each thing. Oh, and I have one more insight on this vacation realm. I do tend to plan my outfits on vacation and I am not someone who plans my outfits otherwise, but I figured out at one point that if I don't, I bring about two times as much You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick, and what I'm hoping to wear all season, is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly, air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from Protein Plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com slash plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50, at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Clothing as I need and then I wear and then I still don't like have what I want to wear. So I do sometimes try to think about like day one, I'm going to wear this. Day two, I'm going to wear this. Day three, I'm going to wear this. Even if I don't actually know what I'm going to be doing. All right. That's such a fun question. Such a fun thing to think about. I really miss 
going places and doing things. So thank you so much, Laura, for bringing that to the forefront. All right, here is the second question, second audio question from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. My question is about the different approaches to planning. I was doing a deep dive on Instagram, just looking at weekly weekly spreads, and I kept coming across these terms like pre-planning, post-planning, messy planning, things I really hadn't heard about, but I wonder if they're the things that help other planners have those immaculate weekly spreads where mine just looks totally chicken scratch throughout the day. So I would love if you could just give a one-on-one on what these terms are and why people do them. Thank you. All right. That is so interesting. I love this question. I think it gets to the root of the purpose of planning and why you're doing it. There are some people who spend a lot of time making beautiful spreads in their planner as a hobby, and that is absolutely okay. I have no problem with that. I do like making what I put in my planner look aesthetically pleasing. Somehow I feel like my brain can organize it better when I put it down in a nice looking way, if that sounds right. But I definitely don't do any of this pre-planning or messy planning or post-planning. I don't even know what that is. I mean, when I'm writing in my planner, like I'm just writing in it. And if I make errors, my favorite hack is at the end of filling out my page, I put a little sticker on the error or I cross it off in a nice way. Or sometimes I'll leave a spelling error in there. Like, you know, if I miswrite something, I'd rather have like a messed up letter in the word than have an ugly smudge from, from crossing it off. But other than those things, which are more like on the fly things, I don't do any of this pre-stuff. I mean, if you are publishing a planner layout for the sheer purposes of posting it on Instagram because you're a planner influencer, then I can see why you might want to engage in those activities. Or if for you, planning is a form of meditative artwork rather than a system to help you live your best life, then I guess this might fit you as well. And again, not knocking that. That is totally cool. I'm not even a good artist. So for me, I guess trying to draw things wouldn't be all that (laughs) meditative. So I settle for less than perfection. It does look neater than some and messier than others. But I think that if you are using planning primarily functionally and you're not a planner Instagrammer, which most people aren't, then there's probably no need for all of this pre-post messy. I don't even know. Whatever all that stuff is. Just write down what is going to help you make the most of your day, write the list that serve you, cross things out in a neat way, but cross them off when they don't make sense and lean into your planning as it's going to be a little bit messy when a page is fully filled out because it means you've lived the day and you've checked off the boxes and the next day you get a clean blank page to start on anyway, no matter how messy your previous day is. So maybe that's a metaphor for life. I don't know. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back. This episode is sponsored by Pineapple Escapes. After a year of very little travel for most of us, it is even more exciting to start planning your next adventure. Are you ready to start planning? Let the agents of Pineapple Escapes and hosts of the Travel Tidbits podcast help you make your next vacation magical. When you book your vacation with a Pineapple Escapes agent, their services include their extensive travel knowledge and expertise, an initial consultation, booking of your trip, Availability to answer all of your questions before, during, and after your trip, helpful tips and tricks, an e-package with all of your travel documents and a customized itinerary, plus a dash of extra pixie dust. 
Pineapple Escape specializes in Disney destinations, Hawaii, all-inclusives, and cruises, but can send you anywhere in the world. Even better, booking with a Pineapple Escapes agent is the same price as booking directly on your own. Join the agents of Pineapple Escapes each Monday for the Travel Tidbits podcast. The agents discuss the latest in travel news, destinations, and tips for the savvy traveler. Let the experts help you plan a vacation with lasting memories. Travel makes life sweeter. All right, we are back. And that ad was very on target with what we were just talking about in vacations and travel. So I definitely hope you go check them out. Hi, this is Mark. I really enjoy your podcast and your blog and finding it very uh, fun to listen to over the last year. The timing has been great. So I I did have a question for you about long-range planning. So I know you have kind of your yearly goals and and routines and weekly everything kind of in between. And it's cool how they all tie together. I was curious if you have any kind of systems or habits or kind of how you track things that take longer than a year. So whether it's for work, tying into things like three to five year uh, strategic plans, things like that, or for personal goals that you know will take longer than a year. I know that you've got your someday maybe list, but for things like you've actually committed to or like you're planning for, oh, coming up on some big milestone birthday to get something done by then, or just different kinds of personal projects that you know will last longer than a year. If you have some some kind of way that you're tracking those, I was also kind of curious if the five-year Hobonichi in any way fits into that, or if even though you're kind of looking at those multi-years through that planner, it's not really tied into anything longer term that you're, you're aiming for. So uh, just kind of curious how that fits in, uh, if at all, with your uh, overall system. So thanks for the chance to ask the question. And thanks again for the podcast. This question comes from Mark. And he writes in about long-term planning ideas. I ended up kind of posting a blog post related to this question, which I will link in the show notes because I got a ton of fascinating ideas from blog readers about this question, as well as some unexpected takes. The first thing I have to say is that no, I do not use my five-year Hobonichi in any way to do long-term goals. It's strictly like a memory-keeping device. So that's kind of to look back and I'm not using it in any way to plan forward. That would be amazing if someone was using it as a five-year planner to plan things several years in advance, but I don't know that anyone can get that granular day-to-day with a planner like that. So no, I don't use it for that. In terms of having a systematic way that I think about my long-term horizon, I personally don't. I love the idea uh, one of my blog listeners put in there, sorry, blog commenters put in there about having like a nice retreat with your partner and just thinking about all the things you might want to do in the next few years. Because I do think these long, big horizon goals often are going to involve the whole family or your partner. Like it's not just going to be you in a vacuum if it's something that big that involves changing jobs or moving or something like that. So I can see why kind of a group retreat type of thing might be good for this. I will say my husband and I did have this document called the life plan that we had in like I don't know. I think we created it when we were in residency. So maybe around like 2008 or nine, where we wrote out like all the years of residency and fellowship that we had and when we were going to move to Miami. And that was 2013 back then, which seemed so like far into the future, like such a futuristic number. And then it came and we followed the plan. And yet we still have moved since and done things that weren't on the plan. So, I mean, there you go. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Some people had some really interesting insights on just being very averse to wanting to make long-term plans like that. Like they just, it went against the grain of their nature. 
they feel like the best things in their life happened that weren't on the plan and they don't want like a preconceived plan to stop them from maybe going down paths they didn't expect. And I do see some value in that. I mean, my current career, it was not on my plan, really. It just kind of happened. And each opportunity as it came up, I thought about. And so I, I do see some value in the more, you know, allowing yourself room to just grow as it as it makes sense. But I also think the reflection piece can be fun too. So I don't know. I would love to hear others' answers to this question. I thank Mark for making us think about this. And perhaps this will be the topic of an entire episode. Oh, and I have to mention that uh, my other podcast co-host, Laura Vanderkam, weighed in and said, you know, this is what the 100 dreams list is for. And I forgot about the 100 dreams list, but it is basically a list that you write of 100 dreams. Like you don't edit yourself and you will find that it gets pretty hard to think of items past 50. So it really makes you kind of dig deep or even past 20, I guess. And this can be kind of a life bucket list that you update every few years. It's really fun to go back to old ones if you can find them. And I was inspired by this question and that blog post and by Laura to go back and update my own 100 dreams list. And if anybody's curious what I use to write it in, I am going to tell you in the next question. So one more question today. All right, this one comes from Liz. And this is not an audio question. She writes in, I have recently found your podcast and I'm enjoying them immensely. Thank you. I was wondering if you had any suggestions for a big picture planner. I would like to use one planner for yearly, quarterly, quintile, and monthly goals. Then plan my days in my regular crazy notebook, which gets messy. Sort of like a vision board and document achievements type of planner. Does it exist or am I chasing a uniform? Thank you for any thoughts. So I will now reveal what I was using in my last um, question, since I'm sure you were all just waiting with bated breath. Okay, sorry. I use the Inkwell Press uh, goal-setting pages and also some just blank grid paper that they sell because Inkwell Press is a disc-bound system, which would allow you to perhaps keep your 100 dreams list for years in there. And then you could you know, add future 100 dreams list or whatever you wanted to do. And they also have some lovely goal-setting pages that they sell as a pack, which I bought ages ago, but which are still good because they don't have the year on them. And so, yeah, that's what I'm currently using. And I think that would be a great idea. I had already mentioned Levenger is another disc-bound cloth and paper and um, with a beautiful Nautique covers. Oh, they're so beautiful. I kind of want to buy one just to review. Anyway, so I think that having a flexible system might be really good for this because it will help you to not have dates and keep things very long-term and take things in and out as you want. So that's what I'm currently using for my kind of long-term goal-setting, dreaming kind of a planner. The other option would be like a dedicated goal-setting product. For example, the Cultivate What Matters system. They make these six or 12-month kind of goal-setting notebooks. They're called like Cultivate cultivate books. No, I can't remember the actual name for them, but they're, they're the cultivate what matters books. And they're very pretty. They're colorful. They do have a pretty feminine vibe. I did a review of one of them in an earlier episode. So I'll have to see if I can find that and link to it, but they have lots of places to kind of journal and dream up and set and track big goals. And it does include like monthly calendars as well. So this might be a great way for you to keep track of your goals. If you want kind of one book for the year. And I believe they do sell them undated. So you could start at any time if you are ready to start now and don't want to wait for a new calendar year. All right. We did get through all of the questions for today, but please keep them coming because these are some of my most fun episodes to do. And I just think you guys ask such fun and thought-provoking and good questions. 
As always, please go to my blog if you have additional thoughts for these listeners, because I'm sure they would welcome further input. That's theshoebox.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter there and you can check out old versions of the show notes. I do have some coupon codes as well on the like planner tools page. So, hey, it's a one-stop shop over there. Check it out. Right now I'm not on Insta, so that's the only place I can really tell you to go. And I'm kind of loving it. So have a wonderful week and keep those questions coming either uh, just by email. Oh, and that's shoeboxblog at gmail.com, S-H-U-B-O-X-B-L-O-G at gmail.com or via my blog comments or via SpeakPipe to leave an audio question. Happy Monday and have a great week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.